Coming up on this episode of Back in My Play, we head all the way back to November 15, 2001 in the launch of the original Xbox. Along with it was a game called Halo Combat Evolved that would set the standard for the console first-person shooter going forward. Joining me for this episode is Ryan Payton and John Lineman, and trust me, you're going to want to stick around for that last segment at the end of the show, some awesome stuff in there as well. It's all coming up right now on Back in My Play. In my play, my name is Kevin Larrabee, and you know, you're not going to believe it. We're back, back to back weeks. We got another episode for you, and this episode is is very very special. It's a game that I've wanted to do for a very very long time, but uh, the timing was just right. One of our guests was also talking about it on social media, so I figured, hey, let's just get this done. It's a holiday game. It is a launch game for one of the most important consoles of all time. So. This week, we will be talking about Halo Combat Evolved for the Microsoft Xbox. And to join me along this journey, first, the person that was also playing this with his son that kind of spurred this this episode actually getting going was the, I guess, what we had last week as well, John Lenneman from Digital Foundry. John, how are you? I'm pretty good, Kevin. Thanks for having me back. It's always a pleasure. Thanks for spending another, you know, part of your weekend uh, to talk hey, about no problem, video no games. problem. <laughs> uh, I know we're gonna have a, a really good time talking about this because, again, it's just uh, uh, this is a really interesting game to talk about, uh, and I think we all have really unique histories with this game. The third uh, person that we have on for this episode is again. I, I don't know. It might have been like almost a. It can't be a year since we last talked, but uh, Ryan Payton. It it's been, been it's been way too long, Ryan Payton. How are you, man? I'm good, and I'm yeah still in the process of skipping out on the promised uh, Metal Gear Solid Four um, show that we we're going to do, Kevin. <laughs> and I apologize to your audience, but hey, it's been cam- a busy year. Camouflage comes first, and that's that's well, yeah. that's that's how it is, man. I and that's we we all have to remember that this is a show that we all do in our spare time. <laughs> this is that's how it is. Um, but I'm happy to hear from you, man. And for what it's worth, I really, if we did a, we, we will do an MGS4 episode at some point, but I want to do it right. And so I, I promised myself I'd go back and play it for the first time in, what is it, 10 years? Um, but uh, but yeah, but I, I feel like I'm, I'm a little more familiar with Halo and I get to kind of talk about it because it's yeah. also something that I didn't work on. Um, so I don't have as many personal anecdotes as well. Right, right. I mean, I, I mean, of course, like this is this is a game that I think uh, I mentioned when we were, were talking about doing it, you know, not only define a console, but also really define the, the, the Xbox brand for a very, very long time, you know, even to this day, even though we haven't had a, a Halo game in a couple of years now and Microsoft is going in a, in a couple of different territories. Um, but this is probably one of the most important games that we could ever talk about on this show. And it's just... It's really odd to think as uh, we're getting towards the holidays, I got this for Christmas um, and it's now been 17 years and that really freaks me out. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, man, we're old. I, I, yeah, it, it, yeah. It, it, like for real, like it, it is it is a really weird game just for that. But um, before we get to talking about all that stuff, just uh, some brief uh, pieces of news for the show. Uh, again, it's been great. We've had some great discussions going on in the uh, Patreon Discord for Back in My Play, and people asked a little bit about that last week. So just real quick, uh, patreon.com slash backmyplay. You can support the show on a per-episode basis. And then that is, again, going to be 
how we keep this show, uh, you know, alive going forward, because then I can, again, make it a little bit more of, you know, structure time based on on an an hourly basis for, for this stuff. I hate to think about it that way, but as someone that is running a gym or running another podcast and doing all this consulting and stuff, uh, it, it, becomes very challenging. And also it allows me to create some more backer specific stuff, uh, including bonus episodes that I've been talking with the folks on the uh, Discord about. Uh, So we're finalizing some of that stuff. We're going to be playing around with it, see what you guys uh, think about that. But uh, that, again, allows the backers to get a little bit something extra, even though I know from a lot of the backers that I have talked to, they've just said, like, I'm just glad you're doing the show. So please do the show. So that's uh, always going to be priority number one. Second thing real quick, uh, Mike Micah is going to be back with me for our holiday episode. We do this pretty much every year around the holidays. Uh, Things are starting to ramp down, I guess at least a little bit. There's actually still pretty busy over um, at Other Ocean and uh, Digital Eclipse and stuff, but uh, we are going to get our holiday episode done so you guys can hang out with Mike Micah, just drink some eggnog. We're going to talk about old games. We're going to talk about some of the interesting things that they're working on over there. And uh, that will be coming up probably, that'll probably be the next episode. So I'll look forward to that in the next week or two. But in the meantime, uh, one of the best things about Halo, the whole series, especially uh, Halo 1, is the incredible soundtrack. So this is going to give us an opportunity to take a break. So stick around. We'll be right back, listen to some of this music, and then we'll talk briefly about the history of Halo Combat Evolved. Let's talk briefly about the history of Halo Combat Evolved because I know I'm trying to keep everyone happy. We're going to briefly hit on this stuff. There might be some other things that you're going to say. I can't believe they didn't talk about that. But again, I think you guys really come here for the discussion that comes after that. We just want to set the table. So, of course, this game was developed by Bungie and it was published by Microsoft Game Studios. It was released November 15th, 2001, the uh, date of launch for the original Xbox hardware. It then saw ports on Windows, and eventually it made it back on OS X. So we'll talk about its history with the Mac platform. And then we saw remasters on the Xbox 360, and then that remaster carried over to the Halo Master Chief Collection on Xbox One Some with some additional benefits, including you know a 60 frame per second uh, frame rate and a much quicker transition if you played the remake where you could play with remake graphics or you can play with the original graphics uh, resed up. And I, I will recommend people go check out John's Digital Foundry Retro video on Halo Combat Evolved because he talks a lot about the remake and also some of the downsides of of the, the remaster, I should say, uh, as well, including, you know, John, I know you mentioned on that a couple of times, uh, some frame rate drops uh, with, with that version of the game, which isn't optimal, but... Thankfully. Well, it's it's honestly not that bad. I mean, the more the bigger problem, I suppose we'll touch on this more later, is that um, they hadn't properly recreated a lot of the effects as they appeared on Xbox, and it's something that hadn't been done. Period until very recently with a mod 
uh, for the PC version that the community's put together, which is designed to fix those. But the Master Chief Collection still, uh, there's still a few issues there with the visuals, but it's still, it's a good version to play overall. And it's like, basically, if you have Game Pass, you could be playing it right now. Yeah, and, 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 exactly. You know, Master Chief Collection is a very inexpensive way to do this stuff. And uh, well, briefly with the development, uh, in 1997, the project was first called Monkey Nuts, uh, then re- uh, renamed <laughs> Blam. Uh, again, you know, this is young, probably young guys like talking to a meeting. What are we going to call this? We're going to call this Monkey Nuts. Uh, it was then renamed Blam uh, when Project Lead Jason Jones cannot bring himself to tell his mother the original name. Again, a lot of these are anecdotes from from uh, interv- interviews, articles, and Wikipedia and stuff like that. Um, so I'm sure some of it is in, in just two. Um, July 21st, 1999, at the Macworld Conference and Expo, uh, Steve Jobs announced announced that Halo would be released on Mac OS and Windows simultaneously, a really big deal for the platform because, of course, lots of games, you know, sometimes we're not coming out on Mac OS at all, let alone being launched kind of day and date with its Windows counterpart. Uh, But Steve Jobs was, that was when he came back and he was trying to right the ship over there. And he did, I don't know, he did a rather good job. E3 2000, uh, there was a trailer with third-person gameplay shown. And again, that wouldn't be kind of the final version of the game. Literally about a month after E3, uh, June 19th, 2000, Microsoft announced that they would acquire Bungie and they would be acquired by Microsoft for um, about, let's see, I should have done the math, but it would have been about a decade until they would then go off and work on Destiny after completing five Halo games, including ODST and also Reach. So sound design and soundtrack is a really big deal with this. Uh, Marty O'Donnell, of course, leading the charge over there. There was dynamically voiced AI. There was a soundtrack that became iconic with the series and literally was uh, one of the most popular soundtracks released on disc uh, in the video game genre. And we mentioned the Halo uh, Combat Evolved Anniversary Edition that was, just to give credit, done by 343 and Saber Interactive uh, in conjunction with certain affinity. Like I mentioned, the toggle in between OG and anniversary uh, visuals for for all that stuff. So when the game was released, uh, it was released to critical acclaim. I actually have a box right here so I can read. I have a Game of the Year edition too, so I can look at all the reviews and all the 10s that they mentioned on here. So... uh, Videogames.com, remember that. That's GameSpot, right? Uh, one of the best shooters ever. I guess Videogames.com and GameSpot was still separate, but it was the same entity. Um, EGM, one of the best games in recent times on any console, bar none, or Edge Magazine. Those guys are pretty tough over there sometimes. This is the most important launch game for any console ever. So really high praise for Halo CE. And this was coming off of a lot of chatter around E3, and I know, Ryan, you're going to be able to talk about this too, where there were lots of, I guess, people were worried. The game was not running super great, and a lot of you know the hopes of Microsoft Xbox was put on the shoulders of, of Halo CE. Do you have any memories of kind of like, you know, any of the you know thoughts in the press about this game, like around E3 before they actually got it together before launch? Well, for me, this is uh, this is actually before my time as a as a, as a writer um, and a game journalist. So I, I do remember just being like you know a kid in in, in college, uh, just watching the news and uh, and seeing what's going on from E three and and really, I mean to be frank, I, I didn't really have Halo on my uh, on my radar too much. I knew that 
uh, fans of the the of, of Bungie from like the Mac era, which I wasn't really a Mac guy growing up. Um, they they would just kind of worship at the feet of Bungie um, because of Marathon, and those were all just kind of foreign words to me um, because I didn't have any exposure to it. So I remember I remember seeing some kind of news that oh Halo's running at um, it's like a low frame rate, and is it is this game going to be okay? For me, it was just kind of like yeah, I was thinking. Yeah, Microsoft. It's going to be really tough to enter this game market, and I've got my GameCube on on pre order, so right. yeah, I'm pretty happy right now. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, so yeah, that uh, yeah, please, John. No, yeah, that was an interesting time because I do actually distinctly remember it because I was already like watching conferences at that mm-hmm. point, <laughs> and um, so and I was a Bungie fan. I played Myth: The Fallen Lords uh, a lot. I love that game actually, and Marathon even. But the when the Xbox was first shown. Halo wasn't really considered the killer app. Microsoft mm-hmm. was really pushing Dead or Alive 3, and right. that looked stunning at the time, obviously. They were thinking, this is the big game. Halo was looking pretty rough. I think there was there was a lot of concern about you know whether it was going to turn out or not, but I don't think it was the key pillar for launch. It was more like once the game launched and got into reviewers' hands and gamers' hands, people started to realize that, oh, this is this is something really special. And then Microsoft really got behind it. But I don't think this was like something mm-hmm. – I don't think this they expected it to blow up the way it did. But I'm sure they are very glad that it did. Yeah, I remember the distinct moment. It was uh, – I just went and looked. It was on uh, November 9th. So just like about a week before the launch of the Xbox and launch of, of, of Halo. Um, I was at I was at work. I was working at a radio station. Um, I, was, I think it might have been the graveyard shift. And you know, during commercials, I don't have much to do. Like, if you're wondering what DJs do during commercials, like they're just like surfing the internet, basically. Um, and and so that's what I was doing. And I I came across a, a video review of Halo Combat Evolved from Joe Fielder, at Games oh, uh, yeah. Spot. Um, and I remember watching that, thinking, "Oh my god!" Like, yeah, I love I love all these games that he's referencing. And he says this is not only a great shooter but this is just a, a, an incredible video game overall and i thought well okay i, I guess i gotta get an xbox now yeah it was it, for for me it was <laughs> i think hyped up in time magazine i think we had a subscription to time magazine and they actually did a side-by-side like face-off between and not place to get your game news but still it was interesting because this yeah. is like what a lot of parents were getting they were doing a side-by-side of the gamecube which it was launching mm-hmm. alongside of and talking about you know, the hardware, you know, what these consoles were capable of in terms of, you know, visual output and sound and uh, also the the launch lineups and like kind of what these two, uh, you know, behemoths like with Nintendo and Microsoft going head to head where kind of Sony was already going for a year. Um, it was it was a really exciting time in a, in a lot of ways. And actually was a time of very much indecision for me on what platform to pick. But I think we'll get to could uh, get to that in a moment. I think uh, maybe my favorite anecdote from hearing stories over the years was at, it must've been at EGM at the time where uh, the first person I think to ever play Halo over at EGM was like Shane Bettenhausen, even though he ended up being very much a fan of the the PlayStation platform overall. That was one of my favorite part of the early one-up days. Just yeah, famously. Ha- yeah, famously, <laughs> just having that, uh, that joke be running. Um, So let's take a break. Let's just hang out for a second. Let's listen to some more fantastic music from Halo CE. And then we're going to go back in time to 2001 and talk about our experience as the Xbox launched and Halo was unleashed onto the public. So stick around. We'll be right back. Hey, I'm good. 
all the way back in 2001. We don't have to worry about Y2K or anything like that. We're smooth. We're into the next millennium. And now we have two consoles to choose from. We probably already have a PlayStation 2 because you need a DVD player. You got to have that. But you also need to make sure that you have that second console, especially if you're a hardcore I probably shouldn't even use that term, hardcore gamers like like us and probably the people that are, are listening. You want to have access to that other console. So we had two choices. We had the Nintendo GameCube. We had Luigi's Mansion. Luigi's Mansion. Yes. It's okay. It's, it, hey, <laughs> it's all right. I, I just did a, I did a video on that recently. Luigi's Mansion is great, and it was hugely underappreciated for its day. It totally like a lot of people, man. Yeah, no they Mario. wanted Mario. But they got this instead. But honestly, you go back and play it, and it's a solid game. It's a lot of fun, and it has that Nintendo magic. And it's also kind of remarkable because it was the first time Nintendo sort of uh, adopted what we kind of view as their current style. The way they render and draw Mario in 3D games, sure, it kind of started with <laughs> Luigi's Mansion. But thinking of, I'm more thinking of like but, at this time. Yeah, yeah. I was I was 15, and I'm looking at this like that thing has a handle on it, man. Like. So a, no, the, thing, the, the thing is, though, is, uh, you know, we were talking about, like, comparing the tech, like, in that Time magazine, you look at it, uh, Halo, it's doing some impressive stuff, which we'll talk about, but if you actually compare it to something like Rogue Leader from Factor 5, sure. I mean, those guys were, like, gods of the machine. They yeah. they were amazing programmers over there, and that game, running at 60 frames per second, uh, doing all those effects on the, the TEV uh, it looked insane and almost unrealistically so because, as we would find out, very few GameCube titles could actually match what they did at launch. But it did give you the impression that the GameCube and Xbox were like neck and neck. Uh, but obviously, you know, what Halo was doing, there's a, you know, it's the first, one of the earliest games to ship with like a heavy focus on programmable shaders. And it did everything at such a massive scale. And I think that was the that was the big difference in terms of offer what you could get on a console and even the PC. You didn't see a lot of games with this kind of level design. Well, Ryan, you said you had your GameCube pre-ordered. Like, and and seeing, oh, did you end up canceling that? No, no, I didn't. I didn't end up canceling the pre-order. Um, I uh, ended up getting both. I must have. Yeah, I guess I was working at the radio station, so I had some disposable income. Right. But uh, yeah, I remember lining up for um, for the GameCube and being really excited for it. Um, and I think. You know, then, then then Halo came out, and I remember, um, you know, when I first start, started playing that, and just looking back, I just remember um, just this the importance of, of of multiplayer, which I'm sure we're going to get into, and that that really just igniting like that longevity of that of that console, right? There's only so much you can play of Rogue Leader and Mario, or, or oh yeah, absolutely, Mansion, right? Before you're like, okay, now this thing is like just sitting there, and I'm waiting for more great content, right? Um, and so, and I and I have to think that that's why, you know, just looking back at like what was it? Um, it was the December twenty first or sorry, December two thousand one issue of EGM where they had that classic Xbox versus GameCube cover face off. Yeah, and remember that? And then the verdict was Xbox, and it's it's only because of Halo, and it's only because all those guys were they they loved the single player clearly, but they were just playing the game in their offices for weeks and weeks and weeks, and just they're like, I, we it's one game, and we're not, <laughs> and but we're still saying it's it's because of this game that Xbox is is, is got the edge on on, on the GameCube. It's interesting because I actually kind of missed out on the Xbox right at launch, uh, mainly because of a funds issue. But, um, you know, I was kind of, I was happy with PlayStation 2 games at the time, was more following the GameCube. But uh, I played uh, Halo at a friend's house and it was in multiplayer. 
for the first time. And it was right after that where I felt like I really needed to go out and get that system with Halo. And I did exactly, uh, I guess it was like six months later when they announced a price drop along with Sony. I went out that morning. As soon as it hit 199 I was in my car, went over to the local shop and bought uh, the Xbox with Halo and Jet Set Radio Future. Oh my nice. God, I'm literally looking at this magazine right now because I had the, thankfully, I just happened to have the images in my Dropbox from when, I think it was with oh, Mark nice. and Crispin, we did the uh, yeah, Summer of Xbox episode and talking about, because I think they both kind of tag team that that cover story and to be looking at everyone's, uh, <laughs> oh, this is so great. Uh, there's a page called The Decision uh, where, where, everyone, <laughs> where everyone, they went through the staff and they were kind of you know picking which box they were going to get and why and it was pretty close um let's see we got one two three four five six seven eight whoops uh let's go two four six eight ten eleven so out of the eleven one two three four five six picked xbox so it was a close six five win for xbox in that in that lineup um and that and i think that was what was so tough for for me back then, because my, and I think I told this story on the show before, but basically my mom, my parents have been, you know, consistently great at trying to trick me into figuring out what I want, wanted for Christmas when I was a kid and then completely just destroying my expectations. So when things did show up, <laughs> I would flip out because they would they, like, why would my parents lie to me? And the... <laughs> The thing that my mom presented to me is like, oh, yeah, she was a social worker. It's like a friend of mine at work. She wants to get her son one of these two consoles. Like, Kevin, like, which which one do you think she should get and why? And like, I've never had conversations with my mom about video games like up until that point. But we ended up having like a 15-minute sit down because I was really trying to be helpful. I'm like, oh, she thinks I actually know what I'm talking about. I'm going to spend some time and, and help her out. And I went through the pros and cons of like the Xbox is a little bit more powerful. It looks like it's going to have, you know, potentially, uh, you know, a better online service because that's like what they're, you know, talking about starting from the, well, the, the, yeah, the, the built-in modem, yeah, built-in network capabilities, like having an Ethernet, you know, adapter yep. built in. And then uh, I was like, and the tough thing is, is that the lineups are are really kind of. You know, down the middle, Nintendo might have a better lineup for the start, but it looks like Microsoft is going to have you know better games going forward. I, I don't know what the the explanation was, but I didn't want really either of these boxes. I wasn't completely sold on either of them, and I didn't ask for either of them because I just I was still playing Dreamcast. I was still like loving my Dreamcast, and then on Christmas Day, I was surprised with the humongous and it's still humongous xbox like black <laughs> cardboard box with the xbox oh, in it yeah it's a huge duke controller <laughs> a copy of halo copy of madden uh 2002 and uh i think it was odd world munch's odyssey so i had yep. must have been one of those like bundles that you have to buy at gamestop or something like that or maybe, maybe it was eb games back then to uh to do all that but i think that's what was so interesting about that that console generation, that launch, like those two going head to head is like even displayed in this EGM piece where people weren't like, it wasn't a definitive this way or that way. People like had to really make a tough decision unless you could buy both and you're working at a radio station. No, I was, I was just going to say, you can't really make a wrong choice with either of them at the beginning there. They were both great. The PS2 was great. It was a fantastic time for console games. GameCube was $100 less though. Oh well, okay. That's that's. Hmm. 
<laughs> that does make it more difficult, especially when talking like with uh, your mom there. We're trying to re- recommend it to like a family like that. Well, Only, thank God know, I, I asked yourself. for Xbox. I would have gotten $100 less worth their Christmas presents. And as exactly. a 15 year old, that would have been devastating. <laughs> that's that's um, the way you got to think about it. You know, <laughs> right. that, you're, you're saying this is like post Y2K. And, you know, it's, it's kind of weird to bring this up. But this is, this is uh, also post 9 11, like very much oh, on, the, on, the, on the cusp of it. That's right. And, um, there was some interesting stories of Robbie Bach and, um, and other leaders at Xbox in terms of the, all the struggles they had. Um, as they were getting around promoting, la- pre- preparing the launch of the Xbox mm-hmm. and not be able to travel, not be able to fly. And I think that at one point, I remember him telling me this or somebody um, where they drew, they drove cross country um, yeah. because wow. they just couldn't get a flight uh, from like New York back to Seattle. Um, yeah. So this is, it was a kind of an ominous, very strange time. Um, you know, Metal Gear Solid 2 came out right around this time that had some very interesting, um, you know, overtures about, about things. So. Yeah, it was it was a it was a, a very interesting you know holiday um, time for sure. I think this is again this is a really good if you guys want to go back and just uh, maybe I don't know I think I could share these pictures. I don't think anyone would go after me. Maybe I'll put these in the show notes if people want to just download like a zip file. And I think um, to give credit, I think Greg Stewart actually sent me these pictures uh, from his his magazine collection. Um, but yeah, I think it was actually in Robbie Bach's uh, book. He he talks a little bit about that to just like trying to get to these press events and they literally couldn't get to them because of, you know, the airports were shut down um, and having to drive. It's insane, insane time. Also, I, I didn't realize Pikmin launched with the GameCube too. So but again, this was for me as a 15 year old, I think I, this is how I was talking to my mom is like Nintendo just Pikmin was not with GameCube. Oh, maybe it was, uh, I, I want to say it was like a month or two, like maybe like a less classic Nintendo December releases. Okay, um, and that Smash Brothers was definitely like a December release. You're right. Can't no, yeah, I think maybe. A sh- Am I wrong though? Was Pikmin a launch title? I'm just looking at an ad right now, and it's it's showing that right next to Luigi's Mansion, uh, available November 18th. Uh, you know what? Okay. Actually, yeah, now that, now that I think about it, it came out. I think it actually came out like a week or two after launch is what it was. So it was oh, gotcha. like almost launch, but not exactly on launch day. They want you I'm to pre-order it. Or it was something. December second. So there you go. There. Okay, uh, nice. Good. There memory. we go. Um, yeah, but I, I think for, for me, it was all about the best graphics are on Xbox. It has games that aren't for kids anymore. So of course, like Xbox was the right for a 15 year old. That was the right system for me because like I was ready for more realistic and more like, I mean, it's, I guess, to be honest, like more violent games, more like mature games at that point versus like a, another Banjo Kazooie or something like that. Um, but okay, yeah, so no, oh, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. No, we should probably just get into the game. You're right. I yeah, could sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm mean, right. talking about the build up forever. But again, probably. Like, we, I, I think that's important. Set the stage for, for for getting those consoles and stuff like that. But um, you know, for I mean, John, I I don't know if you mentioned, did you get your Xbox at launch with Halo? No, no, no. Like I said, I I got it about six months later. Oh, I think I was I looking couldn't... at the, for those EGM pictures. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. No, it was like um, I I was I did kind of want it, but. I was kind of short on funds at the time. And so, you know, I was happy enough with the PS2 and, you know, I was more focused on the GameCube initially, but it was after playing Halo. Uh, I went to a friend's house who had a huge uh, projection TV. It was like a 50, 60, you know, 60 inch four by three screen is huge. Mm -hmm. And we played through like half the campaign and split screen. And I think right after that, I was pretty much sold. And within two or three weeks, especially when I think it was right when they dropped the price, I went out immediately and bought the system. And it was Halo was the key catalyst there. 
Yeah, it'd be tough to really point at any other game that came out. I mean, Xbox, besides like DOA 3, I guess, and, and Halo didn't have a, a great launch. There was a couple Project sports. Gotham was great. PGR, you're right. Pro- you had, they had yeah, PGR yeah. and Tony Hawk 2X. Um, oh, so yeah. You could get some Tony Hawk action too, uh, or some well, HD I think Tony, Tony Hawk. Hawk 3 was also around launch. So they did they launch with two Tony Hawk games? No, it must have been a oh, they, little bit they, later. Because Tony Hawk came out before the Xbox launched. Tony Hawk 3 did on PS2. So they must have but either way, there, it later. There, there was a lot of Tony Hawk happening then, and it was great. But <laughs> Yeah, I think there was like a big chatter uh, with, my God, I don't know where I'm getting all this information out. This might be coming right out of my butt, but I think like there was a big like you know talking point for Microsoft saying like, oh, and we got a Tony Hawk game at launch. We got Tony Hawk 2X at launch. So you're going to be able to play you know your favorite franchises. It's not some weird console. We have all these big developers and publishers right here and this is going to be the best looking version and the best playing version of all these games uh too but yeah actually i i now i know what it was tony Hawk 3 did launch on the gamecube but it came out for xbox like several months later so it, they they had tony hawk 2 at launch so they still had a tony gotcha. hawk game just not three n64 versions obviously the platform to play it on anyways um oh so, obviously right uh <laughs> just have the i think it had the never mind i'm not even going to get into that all right so anyways you know let's talk about our experiences with this this game back then because you know for me like i mentioned i got a christmas day that means i got family coming over afterwards so it is a race to the television like to go into my bedroom hook this thing up and get going and i had zero hype for halo I had zero hype for it because one, I didn't think I was getting this. And two, because I didn't really know what to expect because really my FPS you know, history in the past was on the consoles, GoldenEye and Perfect Dark, which were great. But I thought like I still wanted something more like a Perfect Dark 2 instead of uh, this Halo game, like this new franchise that I knew nothing about. I had nothing to kind of connect with. I hadn't seen – I don't think I had seen Aliens at that point. Uh, so I really had no connection with – the the lore at all because it was of course a new, a new franchise but when i popped it in and i started playing like from the get-go just just blown away by the production quality the visuals and uh, of course you start running into what would be infam- like infamously called the 30 seconds of fun that is repeated over over and over again um ryan for you like what, what were your first experiences when you when you played halo for the first time yeah, I like uh, I got into that. I got it as part of that bundle, that EB Games bundle, and it was uh, packaged with Dead or Alive three, which I played you know a decent amount, and then uh, Munch's Odyssey, which I don't even think I put in the Xbox. Same, same. Like I, I, oh, I feel like that's a good was... game, guys. Come on, no, but like <laughs> I don't again, know. I feel like they just <laughs> stuck that in every know. bundle. They put that in every bundle. That, that's probably why it sold as well as it did. And I don't even know how well it sold, but like that, I swear to God, that was in every bundle. That was put out there. Sorry, yeah, Ronnie. Go ahead. I, I didn't give it a chance. I didn't give it a chance. Sorry, Lauren Lanning. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I remember yeah, popping in it and thinking this game is really weird. Uh, I remember that was like one of my first, um, you know, thoughts. Is that it looks great, but the music is weird, and the way that these aliens are speaking is really weird, um, and the colors are very strange. Like there's a lot of purples and green, like neon greens. It's just. This is this is bizarre. I thought to myself. I mean, it's fun, but um, yeah, that was that was really my my first memory. And the game starts off in a really interesting way, by and I think smartly um, in, in 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 a lot of ways in terms of it's it's very corridor, right? It's very like the the game is is really well known for its open world environments and all this amazing technical stuff it's doing. But they're able to have some kind of high fidelity graphics and really 
bring the, the, the enemies really close up and personal to you because it is a pretty um, small small space where they're doing those kind of that kind of infamous 30 seconds of fun, that gameplay loop, right? And so it really kind of it, it, it teaches you how to play. It, it introduces you to the enemies. Um, and, and then, and then, yeah, it launches off into what is, you know, should be widely cons- considered one of the best missions of all time, which is the ha- the second mission, the Halo mission. Also, just like it sets, like the, the stakes are so high because you can, you can be looking out the window and just seeing like these boarding parties coming in and attaching, you know, to, to, to your ship. And like, and this is what was so rad. I sorry, like right before we started uh, recording, I actually started playing some Halo Two because I was just like in the mood and um, to 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 like realize like there was actually that connection with the Pillar of Autumn in Halo Two. They actually show Reach at the start of Halo Two and the Pillar of Autumn leaving uh, as uh, it was under uh, Reach was under attack, which was which is rad. But again, it was for me. It was just like the the scale. Of it all, you're you're 100 right, Ryan. Where you talk about you're in these corridors, and then you go into this shuttle pod at the end of the stage, and you get jettisoned into to Halo as like the ship was getting piloted in by keys. Like he is like, no, I'm going down with the ship. Like I'm going to go my way. I'm not going to let them take over my ship. And he pilot pilots it to you know crash land on on Halo, and you're just like, you know having the ship fly right over you like they do perfect like incredible camera work and uh, cinematography like that is that was what made metal gear solid stand out from so many other games when it came out in the playstation one like this this was to another level in the cinematics at least for for me someone that had not played um you know mgs extensively but to 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 see these cinematics and then to crash land where by the way you're the only person that survives in your pod everyone right. else is dead you just grab their ammo and go and then this world just opens up and you're in like you have this huge environment that seems almost endless in terms of its size and then just like all right we'll go figure it out and that's that's i think what was just almost overwhelming uh, but just you know the the right size for me to think. All right, I can still, I can still do this. Yeah, the the feeling of of loneliness, I think, is really is really key to that to that moment, um, because it's such a cacophony. It's such just there's so much going on that first mission, and you land, and the music kind of fades out, and it's very quiet. Um, and yeah, you're just alone on a planet, like an alien on an alien world. It's 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 incredible. Uh, we'll we'll talk about the music a lot, but I literally hooked up. So this is going to sound weird. I don't I don't know if you guys ever own mini disc players, but oh yeah, okay. So I had my mini disc player hooked up to my stereo, so I could record the sound. Nice. I would I would just like find a quiet space where I could let you know Master Chief stand <laughs> with no combat and just like. But it was tough. It was so hard because you would only have this music. Like the music was dynamically triggered by yep. events that were going on. Like if a dropship came in, so I'd have to wait for a dropship, then like find a corner and hope that I would be far enough away you wouldn't hear fire. <laughs> so like I could get like at least six, like 60, 90 seconds of the music uh, recorded onto my mini disc player. But anyways, that's Very cool. sorry, sorry. Yeah, that's yeah, really. Memory, I was the coolest. I was the coolest kid in high school carrying around my mini disc player with music from Halo. Um, I don't know, man. Like yeah, maybe I clearly I don't know what's cool is, but I think that's pretty badass. <laughs> Yeah. That is awesome. Sorry, John, go ahead. <laughs> no, I mean, uh, you know, it was the same kind of feeling for me. Like the it, that sense of being in a large world, but also the way it contrasts with the interiors is what really worked, I think, at the time. 
Because, you know, going back and forth between those two is what really helped sell the world, I think, at the time. Uh, it just it felt vast. It's like um, you could almost say it's like freedom within linearity, if you will, where you, you it felt like really open. Like you kind of felt like you could go anywhere, but you were actually pretty constrained in terms of where you could go. But like balancing that, that that balancing act they achieved really made it feel kind of magical and otherworldly at the time. And I can't think of any other shooter prior to Halo that quite pulled that off or really even attempted it, to be honest. I mean, the closest thing that comes to mind is something like Unreal, mm. but yeah, yeah, it doesn't yeah. it doesn't have the fidelity in terms of the gunplay. Like the actual the core gameplay of Unreal is not nearly as refined as Halo. Yeah, this is why um, you know, I knew I was gonna bring this up at some point today, but uh I think it's really important to to bring back that that myth connection and the fact that Halo was a RTS at some point. Um, yeah. And you could look back and see in these kind of open environments what they have to create for, for like a top-down RTS. Mm-hmm. And you could, it's almost like as if you could see the same, um, you know, kind of assets they're using for these kind of open green planes. You can see this in this mission, in this Halo mission, right? And I, it's by almost by proxy, it seems like, that they ended up just putting the game to first person and they've got these big open spaces and like, well, we've already built the game um, this kind of Halo RTS, if you will, to to support these wide environments. Um, now you can just run around them, and we've got like this kind of sandboxy, very physics-based gameplay. Um, and, um, and yeah, I think that's like part of the magic. That, in other words, I think if they would have started with "let's make a sequel to Marathon," it might have been more corridor. Yeah, shooter. I think you're right. And it's um, it's it, the the whole design of it is very bungee in the sense like they did this with Marathon, but especially with Myth, where the whole idea was. You know, they come up with a genre they wanted to to play with. They'd cut out the fat. So, like with Myth, they cut out all the base building and a lot of the resource management, right. and it was just focused on just the pure strategy. And they did the same with Halo, where it's like, all right, what do we want to focus on? And they just focused on the very careful gunplay within those, you know, the thirty seconds of fun, if you will, uh, with those encounters. There wasn't a lot else going on, but everything there, it was just. It was so tight and refined, and they introduced mechanics like the the recharging shield, which that was that kind of like changed everything. I think it in did. terms of health mechanics, and then all, of course stuff like the two weapon system, the instant yep, grenades, exactly. All those things were crafted around making the game work on a console, but uh, they took features away that basically made the experience better. And that's that's not. I don't think that would be an easy thing to achieve, especially at the time. So. Uh, that always really impressed me. Even back then, I recognized like they stripped away these things to make it better, and it really worked. Right. Yeah. This was an era where you know you would just run out of numbers on your keyboard to be able to select. Exactly. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. One of those like mice with like a uh, keypad on it. Like you'd have to go yeah. that far. Um, this is again. You guys are bringing up like incredible points, and it's really helping you know set this conversation into into context because you know that was one of the feelings that I had as Master Chief. You almost felt like a god because, in a way, if you played strategically, you could have infinite life. You could just constantly regenerate. You know your health. It was the same feeling I got with your like original Call of Duty, uh, the World War II game, where you could basically you know just find a place, take some cover catch your breath, like let the red go away for a little bit and you'll be, you'll be good to go. And I think, 
Like that was a really, I mean, it was a really interesting mechanic that they played around with throughout the series. Of course, you know, with Halo 2, you basically didn't have health, right? You just had that overshield. Yeah, right. And then you kind of had a little bit of like a, you know, like not a red screen, but you would have a couple shots after that shield was down, but you didn't really know. And then with Halo 3... Uh, and, and ODST, like ODST specifically, ODST brings back, brings back health packs. Um, I believe in Halo Reach, they also had health packs in there. Yep. So you're kind of like, yep. like going back and forth in mechanics. But I think that's why, like, I think this is, I, I haven't like locked this in stone, but I really just kind of think maybe for the next like month, I would love to just like go through the Halo series, like in chronological order, like go through one, two, three ODST um, and reach just like those Bungie Halo games and just kind of, you know, discuss how this series evolves because it's really interesting. And it's interesting as well, because I think after Halo, a lot of developers kind of adopted the same uh, shield style system, but not, every game pulled it off quite right. And we've kind of come to learn that there, there is a place for health packs and there's a place for recharging health. It just, you know, the design has to support it properly, but halo came at a time I had just played return to castle Wolfenstein, which came out, uh, I think the same around the same time as the Xbox. So I played that on my PC. I remember being very frustrated with that game towards the end. I found it ridiculously annoying at times. It was one of those games where you you would enter a room, you'd quick save, and you just keep retrying, and you're constantly quick saving and quick loading and quick saving and quick loading. And you know, in retrospect, I was just I just wasn't playing well. But at the time, I was like, wow, this is really annoying, and more so than most games, because that was very common on the PC. But there was something about this specific game that I just found very irritating. Or John, like and how it just so happened, like how evolutionary yeah. was it for you to have checkpoints, like have like really like checkpoints it, it where was, you wouldn't lose it was, twenty minutes of of progress. <laughs> Well, it was the fact that you had the checkpoints, but then also the shield. And when you combine those together, you found that you didn't worry as much or even think as much about you could have more fun. Uh, you the could, state of your character. Yeah, you could jump into you could jump into an encounter and play. You like you could you could experiment. Yeah, and that's 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 the reason why uh, the the high difficulty levels in that like actually worked so well because uh, you could take damage, then retreat, and then go back out. Whereas you know, in a game like Wolfenstein, if you didn't find health packs. Uh, if you lost like 50% of your health and then you quick saved every time you load, you still only have that 50% of your health. So it makes the level increasingly more difficult as you go, uh, which is its own thing. But in halo, you really could take those risks and you could like push yourself and do crazy things. And it just kind of rewarded that style of play. And you could still get killed very quickly. I mean, if you throw a grenade wrong or somebody sticks oh, yeah. you or you, you know, you end up in the path of a, a rocket, comes you're, in. Yeah. you're done. Yeah. Phantom runs you over. It's over. So it's, it's not like you had like tons of health, but it really rewarded that style of play. And I think that's one of the things that was so revolutionary at the time. I, I, again, I just, I know we'll talk about this more in the next segment, but I, I think there, there was just so much magic again, the, that 30 seconds, like the magic of, you know, basically, you know, expending all the ammo in your assault rifle, throwing a grenade, like reloading as that grenade goes off, you know, using a plasma rifle, like firing that until it basically overheats and then throwing a grenade and then switching back to your other gun. Like just the, like the, you can have so much fun in these combat scenarios and the AI was a lot of fun to play around with because, you know, they were rather intelligent. They were like, again, I think call of duty was doing a really good job 
back then with having enemies, you know, look for cover, like hang out with each other and not just like run straight towards you until we got to the flood, which I'm sure we'll talk about. Um, but it, it, it was just, it was, it was so, it was so like, sorry to be Chris Farley, but that was awesome. Like that was, it was so good. Yeah. Um, it was totally awesome. <laughs> and one more thing about the, about the weapons there, you're saying, uh, Halo really, really nailed the rock, paper, scissors kind of mechanic. You know what I mean? Where it's like you, you plasma weapons could take out shields quickly you know and then the your like uh ballistics and whatever could take out you know what's under the shield and there was a lot of strategic play as like all right you want to use this weapon then this weapon or you want to do this with certain types of enemies and it felt uh, a lot different in that sense it was very strategic you had to pick your tools use them wisely and use them differently depending on the type of enemy and the situation you were in and that was really great yeah, it's a fabled um, uh, golden triangle that they would talk about which was like the shooting yeah in the in the in the grenades and in the melee and yeah and melee was a big part of that thing too because there's this risk reward of okay i've got this guy down or he's like he's on the ropes and I, am i going to go in there and and get really up close to an elite um and and take him out with like with the b button or am i going to kind of play it safe and take behind cover and try to pop him off with like a with Actually, a hand it, you know with the handgun it's interesting you mentioned the b button because that's you're right that was the default melee button for halo but uh, I had quickly switched over to using the green thumb configuration, which maps it to clicking oh, yeah, the right yeah, stick instead. And that's kind of become the de facto melee key now, I think. You know, yeah, for like just, yeah, first it makes sense because you're looking there, you can hit it, and it just works. But yeah, they were still figuring that stuff out, but at least the option was there. Mm-hmm. Um, I we, we Again, this is... It's not really a show where we're going to go level by level and break down every single uh, mission of of Halo, but and I think John, you put it into a lot of really good context where you're you're moving around a lot, like you're you're going yeah. you're going inside, you know, uh, forerunner structures. You're in these you know big snowy like big gigantic battles where like especially towards the end, like there could be like thirty enemies like out in this field. Just like the cool thing is, is when with you know. I, Actually, we should probably talk about the flood real quick. But like when you, they introduce, you know, another group of enemies, the flood. So you then get the dynamic of you know the covenant fighting the flood, and you're trying to be strategic. And not only that, but like the sentries from Guilty Spark, like all these enemies kind of fighting each other in these like just awesome battle systems, and then trying to figure out. Well, all right, maybe I'm just going to try to sneak around the corner, let these guys do what they're doing, or, you know, what maybe I'm going to take out those sentries first just so I don't have them draining my shields, and then I'm going to go after some of the flood so I can re like, you know, restock my shotgun ammo or something like that. Um again, it just it, it is what made this game so much fun for me is it was it was unique like that. It was like remember how excited you would get in Doom when you would be able to line up like the enemies to to hit each other and then they would just start fighting each other like, oh, they're doing the work for me. Like <laughs> yeah. it's such a good feeling. Um and they just like literally set up those scenarios uh for you. Okay, well let's talk about the flood real real quick. I mean, do, do you have yeah, yeah. Ryan, do you have memories of like when you first uh, you know, ran into the flood. You you went, you know, then took that long elevator ride down, and then um, tried to f- figure out what was going on. And then you pulled out. I guess so. I guess it was like the memory card from the the yep. stray helmet to figure out what was going on. Yeah. So this is this is one of those instances where, you know, I like to talk to developer friends of mine that I say like, let me come in and play your game before it shifts because I will be the dumb player. I will be the guy that doesn't get what you're trying to do. <laughs> and and it'll, I'll help you identify 
that like it just needs to be a little bit stronger, a little more clear. Because you know, when you're playing a game, your your brain is like being overloaded with so much stimulus, right? There's like voiceovers going on, there's story, there's mechanics, there's like music. There's, there's so much stuff that's going on. But this is one of those rare instances where if I was like one of those like you know playtester kids at Bungie, and I, I think they would be looking at each other with like two thumbs up, like winking, like yes, we got it. Because the way I played it was probably exactly the way that they were hoping for. What's what was like? What is this thing? Okay, first person cinematic. This memory chip, um, this this reveal of of like this kind of like horror like um, uh, second type of like enemy um, uh, uh, combatant, right? Um, that comes in and I'm just I'm just shocked. Like I'm just freaking out at this point. I'm like, what is, is this? I'm like, look at the front of the box. Almost like, is this? Am I playing? Am I still playing Halo? Like this is this turned into almost like a horror horror game, right? Um, but it, it was very effective, um, and I think we can all agree that you know, the, the impact or the interest of in, in the flood diminishes very quickly over time. But that, at least that first mission, I think it was the fourth mission of the game. Um, I think set it up like almost perfectly. Yeah, I, I agree. Actually. Um, I felt like this was the year of surprises, you know, Metal Gear Solid two yeah. had a lot of flack for the ride in surprise, but I loved it. <laughs> totally. I, yeah. I, I actually lump the flood in as a similar thing, but in a more positive way, I suppose for a lot of people, but I had no idea about the flood before I played the game. And you, you didn't expect after you reached the halfway point of Halo that they would suddenly introduce a completely new enemy that yeah. fights completely differently. And yeah, the whole way they revealed it, like Ryan said, is, was amazing at the time. But then the whole game just changes after that. And that's kind of a bold thing to do. Uh, not something you saw often. And I was surprised that they pulled it off at the time. And I love that kind of feeling of like encountering something that you just don't expect. And it doesn't happen very often. One also like really has an impact on the story and the history and the lore. And yeah, you're right. I think probably some of the most frustrating times you will have playing that. I mean, it's why the library is kind of infamous in terms it's of it's just being a huge pain in the ass because you're just dealing with the flood. You're running around the same kind of, um, I mean, I don't mean to like degrade the development of it because I'm sure they, they, I didn't even really notice it back then, but you can tell like there's lots of reused assets to you, you. You felt like you were kind of walking down the same quarter over and over and over again. And you, do quite a bit of backtracking as someone that has replayed this game this week, um, backtracking through environments. But, but like, again, if the combat's good enough, you almost don't care because you're just having a blast and they reorganize these environments just enough with different enemies and different scenarios, uh, to make it interesting enough, uh, for you to, to, to keep playing. Yeah. I always used to argue, uh, people would say, Oh, halo is super repetitive. And I said, yes, there's, it's visually repetitive at points, but it has gameplay variety. So is Tetris. Tetris is repetitive. Yeah, Tetris is repetitive, but you know, but this this has more variety than that, I suppose. But you know, it's interesting. One more thing about the flood, real quick, is I just played through that mission with my son, uh, who's quite young, and he was very surprised by the flood as well. And it was nice. extreme. It was wonderful seeing some, you know, someone that that hadn't even considered that this kind of thing could happen in a game uh would happen and he's like dad the enemies are all different this is crazy they're like octopus they're like octopi (laughs) and he's like going after them and he was really into it to the point where the next day uh my wife was like oh rem did you get that uh um 
book at the library. He's like, yeah, I got it at the school library, but not the Halo library because that's got the flood in it. And she's just like, what? <laughs> you must be so proud, John. <laughs> yes, it was a great moment. Raising him right. Raising him right. Um, okay, so we can't talk about Halo without talking about multiplayer. And yes, we're still in the uh, past segment because this this was not only... It was my first, I mean, this was GoldenEye taken to a whole nother level. Like that was very much the big multiplayer game in in my group of friends. We were going over at each other's houses. We were playing GoldenEye. We eventually moved on to Perfect Dark, but the four-player split-screen format of that was very, very addictive. But Halo just, again, it's a cliche, but took it to a new level because not only were you able to play four-player split-screen, but thanks to that built-in Ethernet adapter, you were allowed to then play System Link through a switch or a router as well. So it you know, kind of birthed LAN parties for lots of folks with Xboxes, people that were not necessarily PC gamers at, at the time. Um, so like this is... This is something we have to talk about because we also need to talk about GameSpy tunneling software because that's how I did my <laughs> system link play yeah, was through GameSpy. Well, how did you how did you discover that? Do you remember how you discovered the the GameSpy like that like tunneling software? Well, yeah, I just wish I could just go back. Like one of the things I I do these kind of weird thought experiments, which was man, I wonder what where Xbox would be as a brand today if that system link. Um, feature was just not included, right? They just couldn't figure it out before launch, right? Because what it did was it was just like this, such a viral type of way of getting more, getting your friends to buy an Xbox, right? Getting your other friends to buy an Xbox, right? Because you then you'd gather around. Um, I have crazy experiences, um, you know, about you know having friends come over. Um, I was in, in college, so like weekends, I would go back home, and um, my friends would like link up Xboxes uh, with and they'd bring over their TVs, and we'd just do a whole weekend session. Um, and it was just unbelievable, um, uh, completely unforgettable. And then I moved to Japan like uh, a few years later, and we people were still doing this in two thousand three, was it two thousand four? I had, there was like my buddies were bringing TVs on the train in Japan, and then bringing like ho- like lugging them around to like a land party like weekend event like somewhere in Osaka. Um, it was unbelievable. But I mean, that's obviously why the uh, why the GameSpy feature uh, came to be came uh, the tumbling kind of hack uh, came to be because there was a lot of people that either couldn't, didn't have like a lot of friends that could do a land party or they just couldn't get enough of the game. They couldn't wait till the next gathering. So they just wanted to do it from home um, by basically, and you probably, uh, you guys could probably explain it better than I could, but more or less like kind of like tricking the Xbox into thinking that you're playing system link, but it's actually happening over the, the internet. Yeah, so the way you need to set it up is you would have to have the GameSpy app installed on your on your PC, and you would basically make sure that your Xbox was on the same network as your PC. And then uh, again, I, I I don't know the technical uh, you know setup for this stuff, but the way that you would just you would do it is that you would just log on to GameSpy's you know servers and you would create a roam, and then up to three other Xboxes could also join that roam. So you could have one to four people on each one of those Xboxes creating up to sixteen players and and playing through tunneling. And it wasn't wasn't perfect. It obviously wasn't like you were right next to you know in the same room because there was latency involved and the, the broadband was not as good then as it is as it is now but it was good enough it was just good enough to make sure like again i was with these friends like i would have three friends over and they would go on the tunneling software and we would be playing like four it would usually be like four on 
two on four on three. Like, it, you know, everyone would have a different number of uh, people on each one of their Xboxes. And it was just... It, it was just so much, it felt so much like the future, even more so when I was like playing on SegaNet because like this is 16 people and we're basically just tricking our Xboxes to do our, our system link stuff. And it, it held us over until we got, you know, the Xbox Live version with uh, Halo 2. There's this weird purity to it all too, because let's, let's remember when we're playing either with land, like land parties with our friends or we're playing over GameSpy, there's no progression. There's no XP that you're winning. You're not. There's no. There's no leaderboards. It's just you're only, the only reason you're playing this game is because you enjoy it and it's fun, right? There's Dude, nothing that's else. Exactly that's exactly right. You back. Exactly right. And you know, I you do gain something. You don't gain experience in terms of game numbers, but you gain experience in terms of knowledge. Yep. And just learning the game and learning exactly. its intricacies was so much fun and especially with halo one because just you know the weapons were not perfectly balanced but they were fun in that way i mean the pistol was like the sniper pistol (laughs) i was a monster with that thing it was a blast to play with though but yeah just like learning all those tricks like all right i can stun like with the tank you know you pull out your plasma pistol uh and you you get a dude with the tank and you can keep stunning him with him so he can't turn the barrel fast enough to even get to you and they're like what the heck are you doing but just those, yeah, you know, yeah, figuring that stuff out and doing it to people. It was very fun to mess with people back then because because the way the system worked, it was it really supported that kind of. It wasn't just like come around a corner, shoot, you're dead. Like you play Call of Duty, you, as soon as somebody sees you, you're pretty much dead instantly. But in Halo, there was real skirmishes where you could actually throw down with a person for a reasonable amount of time. Sometimes it would turn into a chase. It yep. wasn't just like instant death all the time. It wasn't just about aiming. It was about positional awareness, you know, how your player moved, which weapons you were using, all that kind of stuff. And it was extremely satisfying. Mm-hmm. It was this, it was this pre-YouTube era, right, where there's so much yeah. discovery in the game, right? Exactly. It was, and it was, it was fascinating how these kind of – these these gameplay – uh, mechanics or these kind of these these Easter eggs, almost if, if if you will, would would kind of disseminate like obviously through online, probably more with like message boards, but also just people talking. And all of a sudden, yeah, like the pistol was not the most popular weapon when pe- people were first playing the game, right? But then over time, people will realize that it is like the best weapon yep. in the game. And yeah, again, like in a kind of a pre YouTube era, that's that's very interesting. It makes it a lot more yeah. fun because there's so much discovery. Exactly. Like I, I think one of the one of my favorite tricks from back then that I learned from friends playing was in Damnation. There's that point where uh, there's an overshield down low between the waterfalls. It's that sort of purplish alien looking mm, yep, architecture yep. where you drop down onto the overshield and you have a like a second or two of invincibility. So you could stand to fall that far because normally <laughs> yeah. it would kill you. And somebody's chasing you, you you line it up so you jump right down on the overshield and you survive. They follow you down and they always die. Yep. And it was <laughs> And even yeah. if people knew about this trick, there's just like this thing like, oh, they're chasing you because it's just the heat of the moment. And it was so easy to trick people with that. And it was it was always fun. And there was this really, really obnoxious but very clever um, sniper post in Blood Gulch that I just remember people starting to get more and more familiar with over time. Because blood, blood Gulch, at least within, within my friends group, I don't know about you guys, but it was always like oh, yeah. the was like right up there on the right. side on the. That's the one, yeah, man. Like, 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 <laughs> totally. And again, like well, this is just it's it's just you you end up having shared experiences, even though we weren't really talking on message boards or there wasn't a, a community and stuff. I, I I mean, with the multiplayer stuff, I think we have to also mention the custom games because a lot of yes. like we went like our two probably our two biggest 
uh, custom games that we would do. Like we never really did capture the flag. We we're always doing, you know, if it was just on our box, we would be doing, you know, free for all death match. Um, yep. Sometimes we would team up depending on uh, how much, like uh, if there were any rifts in between the friends groups, we would team up and then just like yell at each <laughs> other. I, like, I'm not even yep. kidding. Like this stuff, like got <laughs> oh, yeah. pretty, pretty heated. Um, but it was like, we would always do shoddies, no shields. Shotties no shields. Oh yeah. Because for, again, that's why you just you like cr- like go around the corner, shotgun to the face, dead. Boom. Yeah, that's uh, fun, man. And then and then uh just rockets. Just rockets where you're just like like rockets are flying all over the map and like you're just you got like ten seconds to live and you're just gonna hope that you killed two dudes and you only died once and that way your team comes out uh on top. I don't know if you guys had any like Ryan, did you have any other custom games that you guys would go to? I, just, I remember we were just really big on like I think it was like like best to fifty kills um, on Blood Gulch, yeah, um, and just having some really competitive matches. But yeah, like Shoddy No Shields was clearly like a, a, a favorite as well. Um, I don't remember exactly. There was like a mode I don't remember for for Wizard, the map Wizard that we really used a lot. Um, but it's, it's been it's been a long time. You guys remember that you could load this custom game types onto the little Xbox memory cards. Oh, gee, oh, I no. actually carry them. Around. I don't think you I carry them owned, around with you. I never owned an Xbox memory card so, because I had an yeah. eight gig hard drive, dude. No, I, I know what you mean, but like, <laughs> so I played most of my Halo multiplayer at college dorms, actually, and we would always run the cables down the hallway. So we have four Xboxes going. Nice. Everybody's oh, in different rooms. It was okay. So, awesome. So somebody somebody yeah. would come up with this custom game type. Be like, dude, we got to play this. They got their little memory card. So you just go That's around cool. to all the systems, plug this thing in. Everybody's got the new game type, and you're good to go. Xbox was the best in college because I, I got to remember yeah. that Halo 2 came out um, fall of my freshman year of college. So we had, oh. again, you know, you're, everyone's on the same network, at least in your dorm building. So all you needed to do was like go into system link, you would find the other Xboxes and you were playing like zero latency multiplayer, like with like people all throughout your building. And it was just, again, it was just like one of those things that's like magical. And it's an experience that you can't really even replicate today just because it's just not as personal. Like even though it was system link, like it's just tough to be as personal as it was back then when you can then like like yell down the hall got you mother like like you know <laughs> like just yell horrible things down uh your dorm room hallway until your ra would yell at you we got yep. so crazy actually at college that we actually would set up events sometimes in one of the event halls there yeah. we'd have like eight xboxes yep. doing multiple runs we would record them on vhs so we'd actually Dude. have tapes of the matches that we would review afterwards and like get an idea of what was going on and uh, I mean, it was Halo Mania over there. Yeah, there is. This is a very early, like, kind of window into what esports would become. It's it's clearly not the first game. You know, Quake was you know, right, famous right. for it, right? But, um, but with console and having like these limited, like, it wasn't even an online shooter, but still having some sort of like esports, like, you know, it's a kernel of that kind of phenomenon as part of it. Um, because I remember, yeah, at college dorms, we'd have um, there was like a there was sponsored events there. Um, Microsoft would eventually get into the business and have like officially sponsored um, tournaments. I remember driving like three hours west to Aberdeen, Washington, because my friend and I from college, we decided it's a smaller market. I'm not going to, pl- I don't want to play with like the best in Seattle, like, you know, in a big metropolitan area. I'm going <laughs> to go to like this pretty small town. So hopefully you can rank pretty high. Didn't really work out for us, but um, you know, that I, I have like, and, and that we also um, participated in a very inofficial um, uh, Halo Microsoft uh, events um, in Japan as well. Uh, and I ranked pretty high, high there. I didn't. I think I was like number two um, at the at the wow. Osaka event. Um, I really, I 
I remember just like feeling very crestfallen after that, but, um, that's pretty good. But yeah. That was hang them high, um, with, with pistols only. Um, Ooh. yeah. <laughs> oh, pistols only was also very good. Pistols only or, or pistols. Yep, yep. It's like just for zooming in. Like, um, Okay. Our, oh man. Yeah, we could talk. So we've already been talking for an hour, <laughs> over an hour. So what I, we probably need to do, we might go back a little bit, but uh, let's take a quick break right here. Let's listen to some more music from Halo. And then when we come back, we're going to talk about revisiting Halo in 2018. So stick around. We'll be right back. back to 2018 and as we alluded to before in the history of halo ce there are plenty of ways to play this game you might even be able to find a version for it on the nintendo ds although wouldn't recommend playing it that way but today the best way or i should say maybe not the best way but the easiest way to play this is going to be on the xbox one platform as part of the master chief collection which i'm checking my watch I don't know, it came out like four years ago. It's almost working like 100%. So it's almost there, but that's mostly for multiplayer. The single-player versions of those games are working great, uh, aside from some weird things like John alluded to uh, before. And of course, like I mentioned before, go check out that DF Retro video on Halo. It's incredibly extensive and talks a lot uh, about this. But I play the game on my Xbox One X as part of that Master Chief collection. And I play with, this is again, not a cop-out. So I I could have hooked up original Xbox to play throughout. I played through one stage and I thought it's a huge pain in the butt to hook up an Xbox through component to a component to HDMI adapter and then hook it up to my TV. So I decided I'm going to chill out. I'm going to play through the Master Chief collection. It's 60 frames per second locked, but with classic visuals. And then also you got to make sure you have the classic soundtrack enabled and not the uh, stuff for, from the remaster. And I'm telling you guys, this game is still a ton of fun to play. It's still good. It's still it's, still it's, good. it's not only good. Yep. Like I looked forward to going back and like like first I I set up with a buddy. I'm like me and my buddy Eric, we're gonna play through this co-op, and you know worked out great. The first night we played through three missions, and then the second night he's like, dude, I don't know if I can make it. I'm like, dude, I don't think I can wait. Like I need to keep playing this game. So <laughs> I, I threw him on the shelf and I said, when we go back to Halo Two, we're gonna team up again. But like I couldn't stop playing through this this game. It was just it, it it holds up. You don't have a sprint button. That might be the only thing is a sprint, but even for that, like I didn't really notice because you don't when you need to move, they give you vehicles. When you don't have vehicles, you're usually in a close corridor situation. And 
it's still a blast. I'm still like you're throwing grenades. Everything's blowing up. Uh, I could talk about this for forever, but I know John, you were also playing through this recently with a, in a co-op experience. How does it hold up? Oh dude, it's awesome. And, uh, I opted for the master chief collection version for the split screen since you do get that 60 FPS yeah. at native 4k actually. So on a 65 inch screen, uh, you have a pretty good view of the action that you didn't really get back in the day in split screen. So that's nice. But yeah, it's been, um, it was fun introducing my son to it because normally he just plays Roblox games a lot, which, which is <laughs> Fair interesting. Enough. I mean, yeah, there's, cool. there's some interesting stuff in there, but I was like, we really need to try this. And, and John, so he, be, be honest, like when you sat your son down, did you explain to him that we're playing this game because it's going to be in 60 frames per second instead of 30 frames <laughs> per second? I did not do that. Get the tools okay. out. I just we- said, I just got, I said, it's got a lot of shoot bang and it's awesome. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, you I'm, know, I'm, he, I, he i don't don't do that with him yeah yeah, yeah. dude the the games he plays in roblox when i'm seeing it he's playing on a regular xbox one down there and the frame rate on some of those games man dude you gotta raise him right (laughs) he he, he doesn't doesn't care though he's just like oh it's 10 fps i'm i'm seeing get that kid a dreamcast that's all he needs dreamcast (laughs) like everything 60 frames per second unless it's named shenmue um I, I, well, I, I, I gotta, because again, did, did you guys finish? Did you, uh, John, did you guys go all the way to the end? Did, did he get to experience the warthog sprint at the end? We are still finishing it. We just finished the library as of our last week. You know, we've, we've basically, you know, when we have a time, when we have a chance, we sit down and play like a mission in the evening, sometimes two actually. So, you know, but with with school and everything and certain time limitations, it's not always possible. But we started last week and just kind of been working our way through it. The co-op's got to be a blast because that you, you do have the added leverage is like, and this is what I ran into with Eric. And this is totally like, this is consistent with Halo, Halo 2, Halo 3. Like it's, it's mostly, you know, me and my buddy like yelling at me like, dude, I'm dead. I'm dead. You got to back up. You got to back up so I can spawn. You yeah, don't yeah, die. Yeah. Like, so are you guys yelling at each other back and forth to not? have the other person die so they can respawn uh not too much uh we i I played on an easier difficulty at first because he's still he's still fairly new to this stuff you did say the way it's meant to be played and no not not for him yet i just wanted to ease him into it but after seeing the way he plays through it now i think he could probably handle a slightly higher difficulty and you know it really reveals to me how smart the design is and that he doesn't really have experience with these types of games at all. Like this is the first like real first person shooter campaign like this that he's ever played. And I don't feel like he's ever really been confused as to what's going on or what to do. And it's just always kind of, he just gets the controls. He's discovering new things like, Oh, he can discover, he can pick up weapons. He discovers, you know, the grenades, he starts to discover the melee, like all the stuff that we know about, I didn't explain it to him beforehand. I just kind of let him figure it out, and he did. Uh, and that's that's really cool to see how organically it all happened. Yeah, it speaks to the quality of the design. It very, I mean, they're they lean on the same mechanics in a lot of ways, but in a good way, right? Like you don't you're not confused about like, okay, how do I activate this thing versus how do I open this bridge versus how I how do I? Yeah, it's 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 all like they're early on. They were very good about having uniform like repeatable systems. Exactly. And you immediately see the benefit of those actions. If you mistakenly trigger something, you usually see like, oh, that's really useful. Mm-hmm. And you, you just understand that you want to do it again. And you start to use it more often. And it's just, it's so smooth and natural. It's a really great design. Right. Does this game hold up? Absolutely. 
Yeah, this this um, it's it's a game that I I love to come back to. Um, I mean, we didn't start off this top of the show, but uh, you know, I guess my connection to Halo was that after I shipped MGS Four, I was hired as creative director on Halo Four, um, or what would become Halo Four. Um, and so I remember spending the summer of two thousand eight just going back, and I had played a lot of Halo, but you know, playing Halo One again, two, three. Um, and just getting ready for like interviews and, and eventually getting the job. And then, yeah, and continue to play Halo throughout the development of, of, of four until, until, um, my time over there was over. But, um, yeah, it's, it's something that like as a, as a team of Halo four, um, it was a lot of new people, um, who had, who didn't come from Bungie, right. That didn't have experience working on, on, on any of the previous titles. Mm-hmm. And there was just so much reverence, um, for the game, even back, I'm talking about like in the 2010, 11, you know, 12 years, um, because yeah, it was just such a, it, it was such a seminal game that, um, influenced so many different people. I mean, even like younger guys that were coming to the studio talking about them playing when they're in like junior high and, and then going <laughs> right. to the, going to Barnes and Noble and, and not having the money to pay for it, but they'll just sit there and read the fall of reach novel um, yep. from Eric Nyland. Amazing. Um, you know, it was really good, you know, um, and just getting just so absorbed in that lore that game, the game just had, um, so much going for it. It's, it's, it's. From yeah, I mean, you—it's hard to name another game like this right now, right? Which is just nails multiplayer, nails single player, nails co-op, nails the lore and the world, um, and all, and does that all with their first game. It's you it's know, like in the yeah, series, not a sequel, <laughs> not a sequel of a sequel. They're building on top of wow, it. They nailed yeah. with the first entry. In, in this game, really, you know, Halo, and I probably should mention this in the last segment, but Halo Combat Evolved caused halo 2 to be the biggest game you know in terms of hype uh yep. it, it, like it, before before was ocarina of time then i kind of like again i wasn't i was into games but like nothing was really exciting me until halo came out and then that was like the longest three years ever to wait for halo 2 and then when that came <laughs> out like that was that was the first game i ever pre-ordered to get like shipped to me like day and date like i paid for the next day shipping from EB i did games. the midnight launch <laughs> i i wish like i i don't think i just never even thought to like i didn't know where a GameStop was when i was a freshman in college so like i i waited at the mailbox all morning for my copy of halo 2 to to show up and Again, that's just, I think it says a lot about, you know, what Halo was as a game where it, it just in itself made Halo 2 just an absolute must. You had to see like what happens next. Like I literally finished the game an hour before we started recording. I wanted to save the last sprint um, as you like, you know, you take the elevator yeah. up and then you get an award hog oh, yeah. and then you go, you know, you sprint back to poor foe foe hammer for foe hammer did not make it um but, but you know making yeah, that poor final, one out for foe hammer yeah for real man um <laughs> that's so rough like i even tried to take out some of those banshees like i was like firing some rockets i was trying to like see if i could you know change history but it did not work out get the secret ending um but i you know again you you hear you know uh, Cortana say, Halo, like it's, it's over. And he's like, it's just getting started. And how could you, and like, like, and how can you not just get pumped up to want to play Halo two? And then you get to wait three years and then it's on every magazine cover and IGN's doing all these features and stuff. And I just could not, uh, wait to, to, to play it. But dude, you, uh, the, you know, I, hmm, I guess we're not talking I about did Halo a launch, so They did much, a launch event, I, like the launch event that they did, like they were streaming it like on G4 or something like that, or tech TV. And I was like watching, I was watching that, but anyways, yeah, sorry. Uh, 
Hey, hey, no, I was just thinking, I just wanted to think real quick. Um, I don't know if you guys saw it, but Bungie, I think, no, I guess it was the guys at 343 pulled out that old Xbox development kit with the 2003 Halo 2 demo on it. You guys remember that one? Oh, yes. Like, oh, oh wow. yeah. Infamous. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You, you, using that, you know, using the, the different engine before they kind of switched over and changed the game, but they actually pulled it out and were playing it live on a stream. Uh, and it was very interesting to see because they had people asking questions, trying to break the demo, and they kind of discovered it was uh, a little more polished than expected. It wasn't crashing at every turn, and you could kind of push the boundaries a little bit, which was kind of funny to see. But yeah, you know, Halo Two, obviously, big big thing. Yeah, I, I remember I was in I was at E three that year and uh, having a front row seat, um, having in, oh, and, and, for and that Joe Staten was demoing the game and just thinking this is unbelievable, melting your eyeballs. That. Yeah, I was just so excited. You're you're right, Kevin. There's just so much so much hype leading up to this game. It was like it was just unbelievable. Um, and uh, and and for me, and, and people think I'm exaggerating, and and they also use the word literally sometimes they incorrectly. But I literally walked through the snow <laughs> for like two hours uh, in Japan to try to find the only place within like this this whole area that I was living in that would have like would actually sell a copy of Halo Two. And thankfully, they did have one on launch day. And, wow. Uh, and yeah, that's the, so yeah, the leading like, but I think that's part of the legacy of the first Halo game, right? Is that is that magazines like XBM magazine or the official Xbox magazine? Like, let's be honest, like the the Xbox really struggled to have a lot of great content after the after the, after the launch, um, and the, you know there was a couple bright spots here and there, but so many of those magazines just had monthly columns about Halo and getting excited for Halo Two and yep. ideas about what Halo Two would be all be about. <laughs> it was just such it's such a phenomenal. Well, it was like the, it was um, the same with sixty four and Ocarina of Time. Like it was like, dude, just wait for Halo Two. Like don't worry about it. Like keep play, play Madden like oh four or something like that, or play some Blood Wake. Just wait for Halo Two. Like it will be. It will be worth it. And even with all the stuff that came up, I can't, we shouldn't talk about Halo 2. Sorry. I mean, but again, it's, it, it has a, you know, important context with, with all this stuff, but. Uh, with the first one, right? Like, yeah, exactly. Like it's, it's part of the legacy. It's absolutely it's playing the game. They're playing the multiplayer and then they're getting excited about Halo it's 2. It's watching Xbox Live. Like that, that is like, yep. that is Xbox. It was Xbox Live and the original console was, it was Halo 2. Um, yep. Oh come on, Mech Assault. Let's let's, yeah, let's not yeah, forget that. Still, hey, no, like, but how many copies of Mech Assault mean, two did they buy versus like you know playing playing Halo two? Like it was, um, but again, I I think it is it is crazy to me to see a first person shooter hold up this well and to be so much fun to still play seventeen years later when we can point to you know there's just at that time like literally from uh, Wolfenstein three D on just just mountains of first person shooters that don't hold, hold up. Like playing Duke Nukem 3d doesn't really hold up playing. Um, God, any, I don't know. Daikatana. I think you should talk more about the ones that do hold up. Yeah, Like quake, uh, quake, doom, quake, probably doom, quake. Yeah. Quake two. Still brilliant. Yeah, sure. Um, unreal. Maybe. Um, at least Unreal, yeah, Unreal Tournament. Tournament this, is, yeah, 2001. This, this is a weird one to say, but I still think the original Turok is an extremely well-made game. Of course game you do. That uh, <laughs> doesn't get the, the love it deserves. It was a very smart design, and you can see where uh, Metroid Prime came from. No, and if it wasn't you, one. I would be like saying some really terrible things right now. But because... Dude, I, yeah, because I, I, I respect I w- you so much, like I will maybe even... like If I have an opportunity, I will, I will go back to Turok with an open mind. I, I will do a video on this next year finally to try to illustrate to people 
why Turok One is actually a very smart game. It has some good guns. It has its it has its issues, but the the design the core design of it's very smart. That's and very pro- I think, provocative. It's a cool game. It's a cool game. I liked it because they had portals in it that looked like the uh, portals from the TV show Sliders. That's why I love that. I'm not even kidding. Like I was <laughs> obsessed with jumping through those portals. I was like, dude, it's the only way I'm going to be like Jerry O'Connell. Um, so uh, anyways, yeah, I feel like, again, we could, we could talk about this for, for, you know, for forever and ever, but I, yeah. I, I really think that folks out there, if you haven't played Halo in a while, like boot it up again. Like if you have an Xbox one, you probably have a copy of Master Chief Collection because it's on Game Pass. It's like basically been like five bucks and 10 bucks um, a bunch. And I think depending on the feedback for this show, like I'm dead serious. Like I am, I'm really, I really want to go back to two right now because I know two has a really interesting you know, history with, of course, its own almost like MGS2 like, you know, reveal and how that game plays out and the feedback with all that. And of course the, you know, John, you've covered the, the E3 uh, trailer that was done and kind of how it maybe did not match with that visually and like doing the comparisons uh, with that, but still like, Hey dude, like he, he's holding two guns. Like that's still awesome. Um, from someone that played through the first mission of Halo 2 this morning, it still feels pretty good. And, you know, that, God, again, just like that was hype. Like that was like the, the way that they were able to stack and, and just meet and then beat the hype of Halo to Halo 2, that from Halo 2 to Halo 3 was just marketing, just marketing genius. Like Halo 3, God. You're you're right, but if you remember back when Halo Two launched, there was some initial backlash, uh, but also partially because of the like Arbiter. A month early. But that exactly because yeah. there was the leaked version that got out there. There were people playing it and posting little bits of it, and those folks weren't always saying the best things. And it kind of created this like sort of air of negativity around it on some of the forums at the time. But I think once it launched and most people got their hands on it. Uh, you know, it went down very well. But of course, Halo 2 is also one of the first games where people encountered uh, texture pop-in. Yes. Since they were they were yep. trying to pioneer things like normal, normal maps, maps and all that in the Dude, console. Dude, that was like a big they part of the like hype, man. It they was. Were, I mean, talking that they, up. they were able to reduce the polygon count and do more on screen by relying on normal maps. But because of the memory limitations, they had to, you know, stream that stuff off the disc or into the hard drive cache that they had available on there. And... They insisted on doing those cutscenes with uh, cuts, you know, where they would cut from one totally different area to a completely different area, which is like the enemy of any kind of real-time cutscene if you're streaming data. And yeah, you would get that side effect. And I don't think people quite understood what was going on at the time. And that also created some negativity. But, you know, I think people look back kindly on the game Man, now, that, as they should. That that trailer when Cortana's like, what if you miss? It's like... I won't charge up that plasma grenade, <laughs> throws it, and get get ready, baby, get ready for whatever it was November eleventh, like twenty two thousand four. Let's go. Um, yeah, wasn't that the first Peter Peter Moore tattoo? Oh yeah, he had hit, when he announced right. the release date. Sounds about right. Yeah, that poor man has <laughs> too many game tattoos on him. Um, uh, anyways, okay, so. I'm pumped. Uh, I want to talk about Halo Two. Maybe we'll do that next time. Um, and uh, let's do this. Let's let's do a quick break, and then we'll wrap up before we leave everyone. That way, you can hear some more music from Halo. And I highly recommend go to wherever you buy music and go buy the Halo soundtrack. Like it's very inexpensive. Like you can get CD copies of it for like six or seven bucks. 
from Amazon. You'll get the MP3s included for free. Just you'll you'll be surprised that you know very much. Like I looking back, excuse me, I got a cold. Um, looking back, like I think for me, the two most important franchises in my life are the Legend of Zelda and Halo, which is been very eye-opening for me over this last week but like in terms of the music in Mm -hmm. terms of the characters in terms of the story and the history and i'm someone that dude i'll go play halo 5 right now i like that game um halo 4 i'll go play that game right now too i really like that game like i will play those just because they still got great music the gameplay is still there and you know master chief is still a badass and I'm looking forward to what they do with Halo Infinite um, in 14 years whenever that comes out because it looks like it's going to be a while Um, okay well stick around we'll be right back and then we're going to wrap up with John and Ryan so stick around So we're wrapping up here for back in my play. And again, uh, this is a really fun episode and it's been great to do back to back uh, weeks with episodes for folks. I'm not saying necessarily expect that going forward, but it just kind of worked out for my schedule with the holidays. Gym business gets a little bit quieter towards the end of the year before the New Year's resolutions kick in and people are traveling and all that stuff right now. So it's actually a little bit quieter for me. So that's why I want to get this stuff in. Same thing with the Mike Micah chat uh, for next week that I'm probably going to record on Monday or Tuesday. So uh, before we do go, I, I, I really, I don't know how much you can talk about Ryan, but um, I'm really curious, you know, how you doing, man? Like, uh, you know, for with camouflage and stuff like that, uh, you know, what have you been up to? Like, where can people check out what you got going on, you know, whenever you guys are ready to to talk about stuff? Yeah, so we've been heads down uh, on a game um, that has some some influences in, in Halo in it, um, for sure. I mean, it's, it's um, that's probably as far as I should probably say, but uh, other than it's also we're working on a, a game that's a, it's a VR title. Um, and we've nice. worked on it for a long time, and the team's really, really excited um, for it. So, um, yeah, and we're hoping to be able to talk about that sooner rather than later, but I'm not sure when that's going to be. Um, and then, yeah, for camouflage, you know, we've uh, recently released a VR version of Republic. So we're very much like in the, the VR mindset at the moment and just having a, having a blast. So um, and uh, yeah, obviously, like very happy that Kevin, you're still 
you know, you're back to the show. Um, and I'm trying. It was, it, was, it was kind of pretty quiet there for a little while. I was getting worried, <laughs> but um, I know everybody appreciates like the hard work that you put into the into the show, and also for John, what he does over at Digital Foundry as well. Um, like like Kevin, one of the few um, the few YouTube channels I actually subscribe to. All right, thank you. Well, again, I think uh, <laughs> you know we'll put it this way. Uh, I I love our audience and I love talking about this stuff, but I think you know I mentioned this before. It you know one of the biggest drivers for me is just to continue to talk with you guys and and talk with um, you know like share these stories and, and share these memories that we have because um, you know, we had the game awards this this you know past week, which um, actually I thought you know they continue to do a better job with those, but I, I, again I think it is. It's really important at, at the end of the day, these experiences are really, really powerful and they mean a lot to a lot of people. And I think it's worth, um, we're sharing those because it's, uh, it's hard to sometimes explain to folks why you play video games, why they mean so much to you. And I hope like a show like this helps us, you know, decompress that a little bit and, uh, and talk about this stuff, but and then you also got camouflage radio. You got to, you got to talk about that. You guys had an episode that just came out. Yeah. So we have a monthly podcast called camouflage radio and it's a, it's a show where we don't really talk about our unannounced title, obviously. Um, but we talk about, we really focus on game development and, uh, and what I've been recently calling like, like Zen and the art of, of game development, which is kind of like a tongue in cheek way of basically saying, Hey, here are all those struggles that we have as game developers. Um, and here's the struggles that I hear from friends who are also working on games and you know what the thing is? Like these are not uncommon. These are very, um, you know, typical things that teams, even like Bungie, go through um, when you're going when you're through the thick going through the thick of it. So um, it's kind of a cathartic um, uh, method for our team to kind of just gather around for an hour, uh, talk about um, you know the struggles we have on the, on the development and what that means, and then also talk about other games and what, how we can learn from them. Awesome. While you are in your podcast app, make sure you go and subscribe uh, to Camouflage Radio as as well. I love that they're not episodes. I love tapes. Ah, love it. No, I like that's such a <laughs> yeah, that's, that's such a cool thing. Like back just in my play. Yeah, totally, totally. I mean, they could have been mini discs, mini discs. Fifty five. They should have been, been mini discs, man. Uh, get that Sony. Yeah. Get that Sony sponsorship, man. Uh, I really miss that, man. I really miss those. Dude, they were so great. You get 80 minutes and you got the benefits of having a really compact thing, but in like it wouldn't skip and you could change tracks. The only thing is that you had to like sit there and then like record in real time. Oh God. Unless you use I was so close. I was this close, Kevin. You could I wish you could see just how close. I'm I'm like using my fingers right now. It's like a centimeter to buying a two hundred and fifty dollar like mini disc player for my car. Yes! I just couldn't afford it. But I desperately Dude. wanted that, um, like Arnold Schwarzenegger yeah. <laughs> in in uh, in uh, uh, the Last Action Hero. Man, he had a, he had a mini disc player, or the guy, the bad guy in. And this is why mini disc, like it, it literally in um, by the Jean Claude Van Damme uh, movie Time Cop. Oh God, so Time good. Cop, yep. Oh, Time Cop. So These are we should just, uh, I, I, we should do an episode on mini discs. We should do an episode on mini disc. We list all the movies where you can find a mini disc player, and uh, this is the <laughs> best formats. To, this is where I, I'm. What was it? Two trip? Maybe my last trip to Japan, like a year and a half ago. I go down. There's a uh, department store called Mr. Max, and literally in their AV section, like you can get you know blank CDs, blank DVDs, blank mini discs in 20, yep, 2017. Like for real, it's amazing. Yeah. It's, it's weird. Cause I found like when I moved over here and you know, I lived in Japan as well. Like mini disc seems to have been very popular outside the States. Yep. But when, where I was at, like growing up, uh, you know, in, 
when it was around, it was just not a big thing that anybody talked about. It really doesn't seem to have done well in the states at all. But it's such a cool format. It is, yeah. So uh, I wish it. I wish it caught on a little bit. It was just so much less expensive. Like even uh, I had one of the later mini disc players that supported. Like you could just drag and drop MP3s, and it would like kind of burn the MP3s onto the disc, so you could, all right, oh, so yeah. it would convert it to a track three or something. Yeah, it was like a track oh, three. God. I think it was. Um, yeah. All right. Anyways, uh, John, I, I know you have been working your ass off this week on a huge video that will be coming Ooh. out the same day that this episode comes out. Uh, what, what are people in store for? Oh yeah. I finally decided to tackle resident evil two since there's Ooh, that remake nice. coming out. So, but I, you know, I, I put a lot of time into this one. I got a, I had um, a CVX freak, Alex nice. over here, yeah, Alex. and we, the we, show. we filmed, uh, we actually went back into the woods near my house just to make it nice and spooky, and we filmed like a section with him on that, and you know, we went through all that. I got oh, a little cool. cameo from uh, Kamiya in there as well, which is kind of fun. It's great. Uh, so th- it, should, it should be a fun episode, but it was, it's fun to go down and break down all those versions again, because really looking at that N64 version with the microscope as well, just, yeah. uh, really I tried to dig up a lot of, yeah, like reading what they had to do to get that to work and just the level, uh, the, the craziness they went through to compress, especially the video. I guess the most impressive part for me is the soundtrack. Mm-hmm. Um, it sounds perfect. And that was a Chris Hulsbeck, uh thing. He managed yeah, to create it. Sorry, that Angel File article I think you're probably referencing. It was one of the first, like, really early, like, postmortems, like, from a developer. Yes, um, exactly. And just, it's just, yeah, it should be, like, framed in a museum at some point. Oh, dude, exactly. I dug that up and was looking at that just like, wow. Because it really, because without their insight into what mm-hmm. they were doing, it's it's kind of impossible to just guess just by looking at it. Yeah. But what they've said, you know, I really have an appreciation for what they did to pull it off. And it's it's really something. So, yeah. Uh, and I captured all my N64 footage with a nice, with that RGB mod with the D blur enabled. So it's as sharp Ooh. as it can possibly look uh, coming out of the N64. Well, I guess Ultra HDMI would do the trick too, but hey, you but know, John, it's better than a stock system. John, you, you know the question I'm going to ask. Like, is this, com- is this a complete look at the versions of Resident Evil 2 that came out across consoles? Yes, including the GameCom yes. version. I mentioned the right. uh, 99 right, right. X version. <laughs> okay, Kevin that's right. I was looking for GameCom. The GBA prototype. Yes. Wow. So, Man. Dreamcast. It's all there. I, the GameCom is awful, by the way. I, I have one of those things. It's oof. What are you talking about? You, you don't need a refresh rate on screens. You don't need it. Just if it blurs together, it looks better. It's like a, it's kind of like a, you know, motion blur, but across the platform instead of just an in individualized games. It's a feature, not yeah, a bug. Man, it's a feature, <laughs> right? <laughs> but yeah, for me, besides that, I mean, we're coming up. Uh, I almost have a three week holiday coming up. So we're kind of finishing up some end of year content. Uh, and I'm planning to do an, another game of the year list just because it's fun. Nice. Good, because my choices are usually completely crazy and different from everybody else. And I'm sure the comments are going to be like, why isn't Red Dead number one or that kind of stuff? You know? Yeah. But I don't care. It's fun. I do it for me. Good. Uh, it just makes fun content, you know? <laughs> yeah, you're doing a great job, so, man. Yeah. Keep it up. Absolutely. Thank you very um, much. Two, two, it's a good time. Two things real quick. Um, I was very late to this, but I picked up Celeste, and Celeste is incredible. Oh. You guys need to go play that, buy it, and buy it again, and then listen to the music. Um, very, very good. And it makes great use of my Hori D-pad switch 
thing from Japan, which is oh, good. really good. Um, and second, I, and this is just related to the Game Awards. You guys will, I don't know if you guys, I was talking about this um, late last year, early this year, about the Larrabee Lock of Persona 5 coming to the Nintendo Switch. <laughs> and you got, <laughs> a lot of people didn't believe me. I've never had Lock it one, in. Lock it down, man. It's, it's coming in uh, 2019. It is guaranteed. It is on its way. And uh, that's all I'm going to say. That's all I'm going to say. But, you know, if I say something, if I, I don't use that lock nonchalantly, everything that I've said has come true. So I just want to. Um, the Larrabee lock. The Larrabee lock. Dude, lock it. You need like a stinger for that. It's a 100% success ratio. And that's why you got to sometimes wait if you want to play it on a portable. Uh, wait for the Larrabee lock. Uh, all right. Well, anyways, guys, um, it's always a pleasure to talk to, to, to both you. And uh, thank you so much to the audience out there for hanging out, keeping those subscriptions going on your podcast app and, and just being patient for these new episodes. But look at that. It's back-to-back episodes. This one's clocking in at a 90 minutes. So we're going to have uh, another episode for Oof. you before the end of the year with Mike Micah as as well. So uh, thanks so much for uh, supporting the show. And again, uh, John, thank you for for joining me today. Thanks for having me, Kevin. It was a blast. And of course, Ryan, thank you so much, man. I know you're very, very busy. It's always great to to catch up. And uh, thanks for joining us to talk about some Halo. You bet. And happy holidays, everyone. Absolutely. That's yes, likewise. a great way to put it uh, as we finish up. Thanks so much, folks. And here's some more Halo as we go towards the end. Take care and have a great week.